there wondering, and I can't ask you this, can't even ask myself this, because I, no one knows, what would I do if someone said, you're going to bow to these gods out there or face a fiery furnace? I don't know. You don't either. We can sit here in our comfortable little nest and say, oh, sure, I would, I would uh, be faithful to my God. You reckon? You think so? Folk, it cost us absolutely nothing today to serve God. Oh, an hour on Sunday, a few minutes in prayer. little devotion but we're not making enough influence we have no influence on anybody enough to make anybody mad about our God and his gospel and you were singing as this penitent sinner was thinking but we've never seen that dread And that awful awe in realizing that God. Well, you've got to get to know the God of Scripture, not one that you've made up, not one that religion's made up for you. You've got to get to know the true and living God because you're not going to face the God in your mind. The God you think He is, God you're hoping He is, you're going to face the one true and living God. Only source where you can obtain that is right before you in your lap, the Holy Scriptures. Be something to see God move and direct us in his direction but if not we'll keep praying and seeking what else can we do Acts 17 I I want to continue I hope that I do not weary you in our thought on the purpose of my existence but like the old saying the further I go in this the more behind I get and it'll come to an end I, I think shortly but not this day So you pray not only for the speaker, but for yourself and everybody else here, that God might fix all our hearts and the God of heaven speak. Maybe the first time or one more time to our souls. 
I will not ask you to turn back to Ecclesiastes. You know that verse well, one we've been using. The whole duty of man, the purpose of my existence, fear God. And that's not a fear that has terror, terror in it, though sometimes it would do us good to face that God. But it's a fear that has reverence, holy respect, dignity. That's your purpose here. Give back to God. Acts 17, verse number 28, we'll read in a few minutes. Troy, read though, would you? Would you bow with me as we continue our service here this day? Our Father, we're very honored. Much grace and mercy has been bestowed upon us. To call you our Father. We have mercy because the Lord Jesus had no mercy on Calvary. We are free from the penalty of sin because He paid our debt. We're justified because he was condemned. And now all you ask of us is a right heart, faithfulness, and all our duties to thee. For no motive other than that which we do is because we love Thee. Now, my Father, as we come, I trust once again to set before these dear souls truth. Let it not be my opinion that I share with them. Let them not receive it as an opinion, but as from thee a word to their hearts. Give help in preaching, give help in hearing. Set the Lamb of God very high and exalted in our heart of hearts and in our mental capacity to rightly see, 
hear, understand Him. Help, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Acts 17 read this. I think I might have read this at the beginning of our of this thought a few weeks back. If I didn't, if I did, it makes no difference. I want you to look at at it at it with me once again. Acts seventeen twenty eight for in him in God we live lost or saved in him we move and in him we have our being as certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring you you can go into the furthest part of the jungle and find an uneducated people that have never had a Bible in their hands, never had the gospel preached to them, and yet you'll find the people worshiping. They've got some God, and that you will do. But as you sit here, this must be the permeating thought in your mind. All things, all things originate in God. Whatever it is. You can use that and excuse sin, and yet even in that, can there be evil in the city and God has not done it? The answer is no. Not that God had an active hand in those committing sin. God just stepped back and they commit sin. There would be no devil except God left him for a season and he began looking at his beauty and the excellence and the position he held possibly higher than any other created being there in glory. And pride entered his heart. And there in Isaiah, you got all the I wills, where he's talking, I will, I will, I will. I'm going to take, I'm going to take over the throne of God. Whether it be that, the devil, sin, even in your own life, if you're a child of God, it is that grace might abound to you in and above that sin. Now, Paul knew when he was writing that 
There are going to be some people that's going to jump on that and say, well, I'll just go out and sin so that more grace can abound to me. He said, oh no, God forbid. Go out and willfully sin. See if you can, how far you get with that. He that sins willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice. And that's another thing in itself. Don't let the devil use that and say, well, I've committed, I've committed this sin a hundred times. Yeah, but I go back to God a hundred and hundred times. But back to our text, all things originate in God, yet there are few that know that or believe that. But in your mind and in your heart, everything must begin here. You've got to get it right. All things, all things, my life, my movement, my very being originated in God. Which means that somewhere all things must return back to Him. Now, if you begin with the wrong foundation here, and the purpose of your existence terminates upon you, strictly you, and life here, then right now this is the best you'll ever have. Might as well go out and and enjoy life to its fullest. Eat, drink, be merry, attend the parties, get all out of life that you can. For if you do not know that everything originates in God and everything goes back to God, you have no purpose other than enjoying life right now. But you are in this world at this time, under whatever circumstances you may be due to God. He uses means, certainly. But but the ultimate end of all things is we are from God and we will go back to God. You're here physically because of your parents. They being the instruments of your birth. But in beyond and above this, you're here because God would have you here. Providence put you in the world in which you live. And the providence of God determines and governs the circumstances of your life. Now, genes, mom and dads, circumstances in life, and education determine your thought pattern, determines your emotional condition, conditions, whatever, 
and your personality. That determines your character. But they live outside God in their minds, and that's the only place you can live, outside God. Because you can't get him off the throne, you can't get him to quit being king and ruler of all things, you can't. But they who live outside God in their minds are concerned only about their reputation. What folks think of me. But the child of God is concerned far more than what folks think. He's concerned about his character. Like the beginning of a mighty river. Like the Mississippi up north. It's just a little small stream that you probably could step across one step. But when you trace it all the way down to where it empties into the gulf, it's become a mighty river. But if the fountainhead, the spring bubbling out of the ground, pushing forth that water, if it is pure and clean in its origin... It won't be when it gets to the end and empties itself in the gulf. For as it begins to flow, other tributaries feed into it, determining what it is when it reaches the ending point. A human nature's unlike a pure fountain of water issuing forth out of the ground. Human nature is polluted from the very beginning. There is none good, the apostle said. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And the rich young ruler comes to the Lord Jesus and says, Master, Good master. Jesus said, why? Why are you calling me good? Because all you see in me probably is a good, a great prophet, a good teacher, an upright moral man. He said, there's nobody good, no one good, but God. If you cannot see God in me, you have no reason to call me good, for there's never been a man born, a woman born, that's good. We all, like David, Psalm 51, are shapen in iniquity and in sin that our mother conceive us. Oh, David, in Psalm 58, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Now you hold, you did hold, an infant, pure, without sin, manifesting itself, but it did not take that little fellow long 
before he began to lie to you. He'd cry when he was hungry. He'd cry when his, when his diaper was wet. But he soon found out if he cried, you'd come pick him up. Didn't, wouldn't sick. Didn't need anything. He just wanted your attention. That's all of us. You know that to be true if you are a parent. Job fifteen fourteen. what is man that he should be clean, that is born of a woman? What is man that he should be righteous? Proverbs 22, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. We didn't come into this world as saints. We came into this world with the very fountainhead of life in impure. Would you turn back with me to Ephesians chapter number 2? Ephesians 2, 1. And you have he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's our impurity coming into the world. Dead in trespasses and sin. Verse number 3 among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of living in times past. Here's what, here's what motivated us in times past. The lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. All God's children arrived in the world instead of a pure fountain from which everything could spring forth in purity. Ours was polluted. Everything we did was polluted. Every thought we had Oh, it might, when we fell in love, it might run to the one we loved, but in the end it's all going back to us. But, like in the natural birth, where parents brought you into existence, still God bringing you here. God, by the second birth, had to bring you into a spiritual existence. Dead in trespasses and sin, our former life living after the lust of the flesh, the desires of the heart impure. But God birthed His children. 
And when God birthed his children, then all of them arrived with a new heart. That's why conversion is not a decision. You didn't get here because you decided one day you'd be born or you chose your parents. They decided they'd bring you in the world. You can't, you can't choose God until God quickens and makes you alive. And then with that new heart, you run after Him. You don't know anything about a new heart until God's made you aware of the impurities within. But about by a confrontation of His holiness. And then in repentance and a weeping broken heart, you find peace and forgiveness. But you didn't know anything about any of this till you repented. The reason you repented is because God granted you repentance. God hath also unto the Gentiles granted repentance. You couldn't believe till God did a word. Faith is the gift of God. You weren't born with it. All men have not faith, the apostle said. God had to do something. Now on over towards the end, a couple of books over, one book over, Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians 2, we'll read in a minute verse 13 and 14. And you, and you, and you, and you, and me, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. And they would nail to the cross a list of the crimes committed of the one dying on the cross. Here's why he's dying. He did thus and thus and thus. And so Jesus Christ had that nailed to his cross. My sins. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So the purpose of the new birth, I'll give you what one of the old catechisms said. God made you to know Him, to serve Him, to love Him in this world, and to be happy with Him in the world to come. 
Jesus said, John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. But that abundant life is you getting your feet off this old ground, and you getting all objects out of your eyesight, and you focusing clearly, purely to Him. Your origin first of God, parents, the means, your origin second strictly of God, and He made you. And he brought you into existence, and He birthed you, and He put you where you are, that, he, that you might be an object for you, and He could express His heart. But now here we get to the next part after that. The purpose, beyond you being a saved child of God, where He can express His heart, is that in this heart, in that new heart, it can now be expressed to God. Let me tell you something about the new heart God gave you. Like a pure fountain, in the beginning picks up minerals and poisons and debris, so your new heart can do that. Your new heart will do that. Now I suppose, I don't know anything about other than it's PBC, and that I don't know how durable over 30, 40, 50 years it might be. But just saying that it was a water line to your home where roots could eventually penetrate the walls, getting to that moisture. And they would grow more and more until eventually that water line would be only a trickle in your house. If you keep taking in from the world, in your mind and in your heart, your heart's going to be so overgrown with roots from this old world that you can't receive from God. The spigot's cut off. You wonder why? There's no fellowship in the closet. You wonder why? Now, folk, even if you've got a heart and is as pure as, as possibly can be, there still will be times when there's no fellowship with God. He just made it that way. But if day after day, week after week, month after month, if I don't have any fellowship with God, something's wrong. And it is only as you are able to receive from God that you have the capacity to return to God. The great commandment above all others, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. None other even come close to that. Why? You think that's first. Because as a child of God, he began to manifest his love. 
your heart becomes like a mirror and you stick out under the sun aimed directed back. It, it receives that light and reflects it back. Your heart receives the love of God. And it returns it back to Him. Somebody demands of you some egotistical woman or man. They demand of you, you shall love me. God's not like that. What God did, He did for the children to show you who He was that you might know Him, to manifest His love that you might love Him, and that from that fountain of love you might serve Him. You can't love an idol. You might serve an idol, but it cannot express itself to you. I told you said that dollar bill in your pocket cannot express itself. It might tempt you. There's this new thing and this new thing and that. But it can't express itself. It really is nothing, so the devil's got to take that. But if you serve the living God, you're living under the beams of heaven's light shining into your soul. You hear that from that that God has and is doing shall be reflected back to Him. Not on Sunday morning because you sit here, but every day, all your days. I've quoted this I don't know how many times. I dare not even think of the number. John fourteen twenty one. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them. He it is that my Father shall love. Well, God's love had no beginning. But God's love to you has a beginning as far as Him manifesting it. If you keep my commandments, he it is that loves me. And if any man loves me, he shall be loved to my Father. And we will come and manifest ourselves to him. Love can keep Christ on the throne. Though he will forever be there, he's going to find you. He's going to give you a living heart. A loving heart. You're going to want to get to know Him more and more. The more you get to know Him because of love shed abroad in your hearts. Let me give you, I can't think there are four other uses. Says the love of God shed abroad, shed abroad. The only one of those four that I can remember, and it's been years and years ago. You remember when Judas Iscariot 
hanged himself and said his bowels gushed forth. That's the same word, the love of God shed abroad. The very heart of God burst forth into your soul. You know, many folks overcome by the love of God. You don't, do you? One last Psalm 107. Psalm 107. God gave you a new heart. That heart was pure. God began well, like an infant. Can handle nothing but milk. And so God didn't give you anything but milk to begin with. And then you got to where you could sit in your high chair. And God take that plastic spoon and, and he'd feed you a little baby food. You ate and you grew. And now you pull the chair up yourself to the table. And hopefully you can eat strong meat. That conduit from heaven, God's heart to your heart, can become so overgrown. Heaven's silent to you. Psalm 107:43. Whoso is wise, and whoever will observe these, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So you've got to keep yourself in the love of God. You've got to strive, blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, you started out that way as a child of God, but it's got crowded out. Paul said the Corinthians, ye are our epistles, living epistles. You are to be, you are that epistle. But what does folk read in your life? As the daily pages are turned over, are you understanding the loving kindness of your Lord? Is it being expressed? You grow careless, indifferent, disobedient, and you lose God expressing Himself. And when God, when the sun fails to shine, in your soul your love begins to wane, low, even cold. 
someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. David's up on the housetop when he should have been head of Israel's army as king. But he wasn't in the war. And that pipeline from heaven to David's heart had become overcrowded. He saw a woman. He desired a woman. He took a woman. Now no longer is his conscience active. He's lost God. Communion has been cut off. And finally God sends a prophet to him and tells him about a rich man that took a poor man's only lamb. Well, that infuriated David. Put him to death. got mad because of a lamb and somebody killing a lamb and he killed a man and he like Asaph Psalm 73 when he gets through looking around and seeing the wicked prospering and the sheep of God suffering he said I went into the house of God and I understood therein and he talks to God and he said I did like a beast David's just like a beast here. Like a beast before thee. His heart had all, all but grown over. Looking at everything happening around him. So we revert back to that beastly nature. Outside God. No concern for God. No desire to get to God. We were doing just fine. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. I'm enjoying life. That was David. That was the psalmist. 73rd Psalm. That can be you. Now, folks, as God makes himself known more and more, if you keep that thing pure here, greater and more expanded does your heart become. I honestly believe that there will be folks in heaven that will have a greater capacity to love God than others. And please don't come up to me and say, well, all I want to do is get there. Because if I can lift my leg high enough, I'm going to kick you in your backside. God did too much. All you want just to get there. That's a selfish, fleshly desire. Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. She's going to take it on into glory. They, that God has forgiven much, loves much. They're going to take that heart, that, that expanded heart here from walking with God, learning God, Him manifesting His love, that being returned to Him. They're going to take all that into glory. Oh, please don't sit here.
just satisfied because, well, God saved me. I'm going to heaven. Oh, God ask you. Give you give him your heart. And as you do that, more of his love is manifest. In your obedience, in your trust, in your yielding. You're keeping everything, the pipe open, free. And as you receive from God, so it goes back to God. Because you've got nothing to give God except that which He gives you. Nothing. Yielding your members as members of righteousness. Your eyes, your ears, your feet, your hands, your mind, yielding every member to Him, greater will be His love made known to you, greater will be your love returned to Him. What's happened to you? God asked Israel, what, could I, what more could I do for you than I've done? Why are you backslidden? Why have you gone away? It is utterly impossible for a child of God to be brought to a revelation of the heart of God, to know Him, to see what He's done. And serve that God with a dead, lifeless form. Well, this is the way we've always done it. By tradition. By religious form. Any beauty that does not spring from a heart that loves Him is the religion of the Pharisees. So God put you where He did in this old world at this particular time in an age when we have so little of the Spirit of God and yet it is our duty to seek this God. It is our duty so live before Him as to keep a pure heart and clean hands, thereby ascending into the heel of God, obtaining from Him that you might have that to give back to Him. God made you to express Himself to you. God made you that in the expression of Himself to you, it might return to Him. And the love wherewith he hath loved you, you can say, I love my Lord and my Savior. May the Lord grant us all such a heart.